Welcome to Ink Pulp Audio. Closing out 2017 with this one. I guess this is about four years for finishing out on this podcast. Four years, yeah. Alright, so um, next month I'm going to launch the Patreon. I'm recording this. It's early November. This comes out December 1. And I've been putting some, putting some time into the Patreon, getting that together. So, um, yeah, uh, that should be launching. Check social media for all that information. But January 1, 2018, Ink Pulp will have a Patreon. Um, it's not called Ink Pulp Audio. It's just called Ink Pulp because the podcast is part of the Patreon, but it's not everything. Some of the tiers involve my artwork. If you're interested. So please get involved. Please spread the word. I am. Uh, I'm really curious to see how this does. And see what it, it can do for the podcast. And all that stuff moving forward. Um, yeah. So uh, I guess just check it in. I'm, I've been talking a lot about. How. Things just piled up as I stayed focused on on work, too focused, and didn't really step back to look at the big picture of anything and kind of lost myself in that. So now I'm at the foot of that mountain, looking up at all the stuff I want to do and all the shit I want to take care of, all the creative stuff I want to do all the changes I want to make, and I, I just started uh, a new job now that I'm done with Mother Panic. Um, last time I recorded, I can't remember if I was... Uh, I was finished, yeah. I was finished with Mother Panic, but maybe just about to start this job. Well, here I am. And I've scheduled out differently, and old habits die hard. It's like I, my mind gets back into those patterns of stressing and worrying about time and rushing and fear and all that shit you know fear is my big shit that's my big problem i use fear as a motivator way too much so that's one of those things i'm trying to address now and i remind myself i have good days bad days but i can see i can see that the schedule i'm on will allow for me to do more and will allow a little more peace of mind for me. So it's uh, it's a little bit of a mind fuck right now. It's a little bit of a fighting with yourself, fighting with myself type thing, trying to figure things out. Keep yawning. God damn. Uh, yeah, all that jazz. So um, that's just kind of where I am. I'm, I'm just trying to ride it and see where it takes me and not get frustrated, not get stressed, um, which is new to me. Um, yeah, I guess that's about it. Today we have Kelly Fitzpatrick on the on the show. Uh, we recorded this back at Heroes Con, and Kelly had been trying, excited to get on. She came to me about this, uh, and she definitely had some stuff she wanted to talk about. So we talked. And it was it was a good conversation. 
Uh, I'm not doing a terribly lengthy intro because Kelly and I talk a lot about mental health in this one. And uh, no point in being redundant. So please check me out on all my social media at Inkpulp on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. I think I'm just going to shut down Tumblr. I, I don't have many followers. I don't really understand how to use it. I've come. I've said that before. So those are the main things. And please get involved when Patreon hits. And uh, that's about it. Thank you for being a loyal listener if you are. Thank you for being a new listener if you are. I am seeing that, that that's happening. I'm getting new listeners. The podcast is growing. Let's keep it going. And get involved with the Patreon. All right, here we go. Okay, we're going. So you haven't slept for... <laughs> How many hours? Uh, I slept 20 minutes last night. Yeah, but in how many days? Uh, well, okay, so two or three hours each night since like Tuesday. Why? Uh, I have really bad anxiety uh, for travel. Okay, is it before travel? Yeah, before travel and then shows. I have anxiety with social anxiety with like crowds. And then I also um, am changing antidepressants. Okay. So <laughs> what, what, were you, what were you on? Um, I'm on Paxil. And so I'm going off of Paxil. On to? Uh, Lexapro. Okay. Now is Paxil, are they SSRIs? Is that uh-huh. what they're called? No. Yeah. No, SNRIs make me completely bipolar. And, and what's SNRIs? Uh, it regulates norepinephrine on, okay. on top of serotonin. But, but Paxil's an SSRI? Uh-huh. And Lexapro is what? An SSRI. It is. Yeah. It's just a different, slightly different. It's going to be my okay. seventh one. <laughs> really? Yeah. And I, like, if it doesn't work, I'm going to stop for a while because it's totally burning me out. What? 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 Oh. I think this is withdrawal. Like, well, I, I, that's where I was going. That's yeah. what I was asking about SSRIs. Yeah. So what's withdrawal? Because it happens different with every drug. Right. Yeah. But like, you said you think it's withdrawal. What what you're experiencing right now? Yeah, I think that's part of why it's escalated. Because I already have like, I tend to have insomnia. Okay. So I went down. You you cut down. So I'm really sensitive to drugs and I got up to 20 milligrams. The max is 50. So 20 is two, two pills. Right. And I had been like really, really slowly incrementally going up. And the only thing I felt was that my stomach was hurting. Okay. And so it just makes my stomach hurt all the time and not doing anything else otherwise. So what what leads you to, why do you think you need to be on medication? (laughs) Uh, I think that part of it is like symptomatic of like <laughs> the sounds I, every time I talk about stuff like this, I feel like conspiracy theorist where okay. I'm like, Oh, the toxicity of our society. Right. Like, I feel like we can't really live well. You're right about in that. our current society. No, no. I've talked about this with everyone I know. Yeah. And so, but it sounds like it sounds a little ridiculous, but it's, it's true. Like everything's set up. We are living a life of work. Yeah. Like it used to like, 
it used to be really like comic book lifestyle was like that, but yeah. everyone I know with like like nine to fivers, there's nine to five doesn't exist anymore. No. It's Monday through Friday, and then a lot of them are putting in one day on the weekend, and then it's all night with emails and calls and <laughs> yeah, because everything's instantaneous now. And right. if you don't reply, then people think you're being rude. But it's affecting us. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. But I've had this since I was um I've had problems since I was like 12 like what, what like anxiety problems yeah just depression um yeah i mean I, i've <clears throat> it started really bad like right like sometime around 11 when um after my grandma died and uh-huh. we moved my dad retired from the military and we moved to houston for him to work at nasa and he so it was like his second big career shift, mm-hmm. but that was like the first big death in my family. Yeah. And so that like kind of messed me up. Well, my kids are going yeah. through the same thing. I mean, my dad died suddenly last year. Yeah. And how I, old are they? My when, well, they're 11 and 15 now. Yeah. So my son is your age. Yeah. It hit him really bad. He went into a real depression. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, we got, a, we got them in the therapy and they're doing so much better now. Yeah. But I started getting involved with like the straight edge scene. And so I was mm-hmm. like, I don't need anything and blah, blah, blah. And sure. then by the time I hit college and I was really, uh, self-destructive in a lot of ways. Um, well that we dealt with that with my kids. They were, they were they were starting to barely do some self harm stuff. Oh, I I just got a tattoo that's like covering up my thigh. Um, Is that where you used to cut? Yeah, hugely. I have massive scars, and actually, so like the side because you know it's like frames the body better if it's like going down the, sure. the side. So some of the stuff on the top isn't covered, and I'm gonna get another piece and then probably frame it because it's floral. Right. And so I'm thinking about putting something in between and then having more floral like okay. on the inside of my my thigh but yeah no because I, I, I there are some people that kind of do it a little for like they don't care if it's seen or they like the attention this or, was attention seeking behavior yeah and i hate i hate to cuz it's definitely not that for everybody and for no, me no no i'm just saying it, with it my curbed kids. it curbed uh and I, <laughs> I always like want to preface this by saying this is not a good thing, <laughs> but for me, like I would hyperventilate, um, and pass out from anxiety attacks. And so I started cutting to like counteract that because it would like focus my attention on something yeah, and the well, adrenaline from the self-harm would stop the, like the panic attacks. Sure. So that became like a whole thing with me. And so that's why my thigh is just messed up. But then I ended up trying to overdose on medication and ended up in Florida. It's called like being Baker acted where you lose all of your rights as a citizen. If you try and kill yourself what, in Florida. Yeah. And they have it in how, Oregon how, too. How old were you? Uh, 19, I think. All right. So what, let, tell me about this. Yeah. What, what, what did you do? You took, what? I took almost an entire like bottle of Motrin. Okay. Which is like just so stupid because that's like three days of apparently intense pain of liver failure. Right. <laughs> and they were like, yeah. So they made me drink a huge thing of charcoal. Uh-huh. That's why like all these goth things where they're like goth lemonade, goth ice cream, it's got charcoal in it. I'm like, uh, no, I've had charcoal. It's not pleasant. Right. <laughs> but, uh. So what is that? I know it absorbs it, but do you vomit it up? Yeah. And to get really gross. Yeah. Like every 
and you don't vomit it, but it's like every every orifice. <laughs> it's like just black everything. Oh. Gross. It's all liquid too. Everything. Oh yeah. wow. It's awful for days. Yeah. So so it just absorbs everything in your stomach. Right. Um, and so do they have to put a tube down your throat to get the charcoal in there? No, they forced me to drink it. Oh, it was a drink. If I wouldn't have. If I wouldn't have, then they would have force fed it into me. And they made me take all my piercings out because you can't have any metal. You can't have anything that you could possibly harm Harm yourself yourself. with in any way. And then they leave you there for 24 hours to watch you. And if they deem you like, okay, then you have your rights back as a human being. Otherwise you can be like put in like psychiatric care or something. How long did you lose your rights for? About 24 hours. And I convinced them I was cool. And then I had to go to the psychiatrist on campus and they had to okay me to go back to school. Okay. So, um, otherwise I wasn't allowed back on campus, which is really awful because I'm like, I live on campus. <laughs> like, <are> you? <laughs> like it was really awkward and like awful. And it was like an extra level of trauma after yeah. the trauma of like what the hospital, the ambulance, what was going on that led up to this? Honestly, I don't remember. Okay. It was just like, that, that this is why <laughs> this is why medicine <laughs> okay, okay um because it does it spirals out of control and there's not really like a trigger it's just kind of everything escalates okay and, yeah so you're at the point with medicine where if you're you're going to try Lexapro yeah uh, so are you weaning off of I'm weaning off of Paxil right now and when I saw you at Emerald City I was weaning off of Celexa which made me hyper paranoid and uh I, it like caused me to be like bruised all the time and just a ton of like really bad side effects. I actually have a journal where I wrote down all the, like the side effects of everything. And, yeah. Cause you have to keep track of that. Uh-huh. So yeah. And then I was on Wellbutrin after Celexa and then Paxil and that's where I am now. <laughs> so if Lexapro doesn't work, uh, what what's not working right now? It's not really doing anything for me. Does it um, does it work great at first and then it just kind of no oh. and it's different for every drug because the it aggravates me in different ways so like this one it just makes me sick to my stomach all the time okay, so so the anxiety doesn't seem they, to be nothing helped. nothing helps with the anxiety nothing helps with the depression so so it's just like hey you're taking a pill that makes you sick to your stomach and right. I'm like well maybe it's because I'm taking too small of a dosage so they up you and up you and up you. Right, right, And now that I'm at like a normal dosage, they're like, okay, it's just not working. (laughs) So start coming back down off of it, which means I'll have greater withdrawal symptoms. Right, of course. So yeah, it's uh, going to take me three weeks to get off of it total and I'm on week two. And then when you're off of it, you have have to have a clean system before you start the next one. Uh Uh-uh. You continue, you you transfer. So on Uh, Tuesday, I transfer over to... While I'm still taking one pill of Paxil, I'll start taking. I, it's either half a pill or one pill of so Lexapro. You'll have both drugs in your system at the same time. Yeah, because one won't actually register for like another right, week. Right, that's right. That's right. Yeah, but you still want something in your system because they're they're still SSRIs. Right. And you have to. They do them by like the same drug category because SSRIs are in different drug categories too. So like okay. certain drugs are like other drugs, uh-huh. which is why they put me on Wellbutrin after Celexa is because they're in similar drug categories. 
categories in the SSRI family. Okay. So Zoloft worked for me when I was in college, but mm-hmm. I gained 90 pounds mm-hmm. and had to lose it all off. Right. Um, Did it come off just when you stopped that no, drug? No. Uh-uh. You had I had to work. work really hard and I've gained some weight back from being in comics and being stagnant. <laughs> and you've talked about yoga and yoga. I started going back mm-hmm. to yoga and it's significantly helped me. Well, that's what I was going to get to. I, I mean, I, I've been vocal about anxiety stuff, but I mean, on the scale of problematic, mine's fairly minor. <laughs> mine's like, it definitely... I mean, it's never driven me to the point where uh, I, I've needed medication or, or I've I've... It's never been to that. It sucks. Yeah. It it sucked. But I mean, I have like an addictive personality, so I can't like like the self harm thing. Like, with, I had a f- I have problems with food. Um, like I had eating disorder uh-huh. stuff when I was in high school, also. And uh, you just can't. I know that if I was to be put on something that would be like take when needed, uh, I wouldn't take one need. I'd be like, I need this all the time. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Xanax, <laughs> like, Xanax would not be a good no. thing. No. Yeah. Um, but I will say like getting into yoga and then now meditation, I feel like there's a rewiring occurring in my brain. Yeah, absolutely. Where like my thoughts would automatically go towards something negative or, or looking at something from a perspective of, of negativity, like any accomplishment I'd have, my brain would be like, that's not an accomplishment. I don't have that so much for me. It's more like ways to like self deprecate afterwards. So I'll feel great about it. And then like a week later, Right, right. I'll be like, well, I'm a garbage person, and right. <laughs> like, but but what's happened recently is I can see that like I I even talked to my therapist about this. It's like walking through a field of grass. You mm-hmm. walk that path enough times, a path forms. Yeah, and that's what happens in your brain with the with the neurons. Oh, you firing. see the patterns. Yeah, right. So I feel like you go. This is irrational. Right. Yeah. Right. So I feel like all that negative that path of like bad thinking is finally like I can see myself coming to it and I can veer left now and there's like grass growing back up over that path and I'm wearing down a path towards happier. Oh, that's a nice thoughts. That's a good visual. Yeah. <laughs> so but that's meditation. That's that's really allowed like I noticed after a month of doing well, it. Well, yeah, cuz you're setting your intention and you're actually like thinking about yeah, your goals. But after a month that's of doing term, it, setting your intention. Yeah. But after a month of doing it, I'm I'm like, I'm a lot. I just feel lighter. Yeah, and I'm able to like, my logic can kick in when I'm being illogical. So there's a neurological reason for that too. I one of the ladies who teaches Yen Yoga at my studio is a neuroscientist. Okay. Yeah, and so she talks about all these things and like yeah. how yoga. They would they would talk about like benefits. But now there's actual science to back things up too about how it's rewiring your brain. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm doing. I'm rewiring my brain. So, I mean, it's good. And I haven't been for two weeks because of deadlines and I feel worse for it, for not going. If I miss, I mean, I go three days a week. I do too. If I miss one, I I feel it. Well, and I had the, I got the tattoo recently too. So that. Let me talk to you about Saniderm. Have you? Oh, is that the, is that the. The, mm-hmm. mm, those are so good, but she didn't. My tattoo artist didn't have it. No, you buy. I it. I know I should buy it because when I when I got this arm piece, it's amazing. 
I wrapped it in Saniderm. I had that for for this. And I could do whatever one. I wanted. I yeah. went to the gym. I went to hot yoga, which I had to stay away from because <laughs> when I got the hand thing, I got a staph infection. What? Because I decided to go to the gym two days later. Oh. Which was stupid, but I felt invincible. Uh, it, it's not <laughs> terrible. You can see it healed fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then I Saniderm. I went to hot yoga. I did everything. It's amazing. Oh. Change. My dad uses those for the ER. They sure. start it off as like ER treatment. There, there's a there's a name for the one they use. It's not Saniderm. It's something derm. Because I have a friend in the medical community, mm. community and she told me that. Yeah. Um, I wish I would have had that for my ribs in Japan. They like wrapped me up in plastic wrap. I was mm-hmm. spun around in a circle yeah. and I felt like a swamp monster getting on the subway. I was yeah. like, oh. Yeah, that feels <laughs> awful. Yeah, well, and it was an eight-hour piece, so Oof. I felt pretty garbage yeah (laughs) yeah that's rough yeah but um so that will allow you not miss the gym Uh, that for me was like oh i don't have to miss the gym but it was a combo it was just a really bad combo getting a book in yeah and i've also i i won't do that anymore i won't put myself in those positions i shouldn't well, none of us should. No, I know but there's it's the guilt i've got every reason to do it because i need the money and i've got a family but I'm just destroying myself, and that doesn't make me a good father. We just talked about this on a panel, too. Did you? It's so bad, yeah. Well, it was just on the coloring panel. Okay. So we were all talking about I mean, ways we've 20, destroyed our bodies. Yeah, see, I, I feel I ha- like I'm not destroying my body now. I feel good. <sighs> I'm getting better. <laughs> I'm getting better. But also, like, everybody... But, but the companies, they, they, they push you towards no. it. Well, and I just got some work taken away from me. For what? I'm not going to say <laughs> what it is. No, but, no, I'm not asking you to tell me what uh, it is, but okay. why was it taken uh, away from because you? Because I couldn't work while I was at this convention. I said, hey, can we do this? And they said, this book needs to be in by this time. And so they hired on an additional anchor to take over for the artist because the artist was late and still hasn't turned in all the pages. And it was supposed to be in two weeks ago. So they hired on an additional inker to take on the other pages and then they hired on an additional colorist. So half of the book is going to be done by an entirely different group of people because they refused to push the book back a week. The the, the changes need to be made to this whole, whole production line. I, yeah, (laughs) that's the, the the place is notorious for this. So, um, yeah, I think I probably know who you're talking about. I mean the company. Yeah, probably. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's like I, I had a moment of clarity a week and a half ago, not a moment of clarity. I just, I don't know what kind of woke me up to what I was doing. Like I stopped the tattooing thing. I don't, did you know I was, I was apprenticing. Mm-hmm, I know, but I'm surprised stopped. that you stopped doing it. I was killing myself. I was yeah trying to split your time into too much and all I was doing was hurting everything I was doing hmm. because I couldn't give myself what it needed I couldn't nurture is the word I keep using mm-hmm. couldn't nurture anything in life yeah and it was all well you're splitting your, your time four ways really because you have your family right. yourself right your comics career and yeah. your tattoo career right so that's... So I got rid of, t- I, I, I sat down and said, where do I, what am I doing? Where do I want to be in 10 years? And then I was like, I want to be a part-time comic book artist and a part-time tattoo artist. No, I want to be a comic, I'm a comic book artist. But do you ever feel like that it's too 
niche of a thing, like your skill. Cause you know, like, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like constantly, I, I talked about this this morning to a friend and, and the Lyft driver where I was like, <laughs> I'm like, but it's not practical. Like, what if something bad were to happen? And then it's like, you have doctors and you have like linguists and you have all mm-hmm. these people that have like practical skills. And I'm like, I can draw you a pretty picture. <laughs> like I can paint stuff. I don't feel that way. I feel that way sometimes. I don't. I feel like art has a very, very That's important what they said. role That's to what they culture. Said to me. Yeah. I, I absolutely do. Um, I've heard, uh, I wish I could remember somebody but was I, talking I about this, what art do does for the world is extremely important. Well, and that's the first way to destroy civilization, it's according to, get, to anthropology. Right. Which is why statues fall immediately. Right. Well, look at, we know so much about our history because of art that was left. Well, and that's why, like, the Taliban goes in and destroys... Exactly, yeah, exactly. Icons. And also, I feel like, I mean, in comics, we are learning to communicate on a level very few people can really understand. Yeah. Because the, the art of storytelling is, you have to understand how someone else thinks and perceives information in order to give them information that they can understand in yeah. communicating a story. Yeah. So, no, I don't feel like what you're saying, I don't feel that way at all. In fact, I feel like comic book artists have a skill set unlike most other fields, especially in art, we can do so much. Where, I mean, it was one thing I noticed just getting into tattooing. Like, they were all like, you have to draw everything at, at any yeah. given moment. I was like, yeah. And I also have to understand how someone's going to read what I'm drawing. And yeah. there's so much going on there. And I can write and I can draw and I can design and I can do all these things. So I don't feel like it's too specialized, too niche. The comic book itself is a very niche thing. Yeah. But the skill set required to do it, I don't think is niche. Mm. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I, like when you were talking, when you first talked about getting into tattooing, I was like, that's always something that's interested me too. Yeah, yeah. But I just feel like uh, it's too much of an uphill climb yeah, for... Yeah, I experienced that. It doesn't have to be that way. No, they but I also feel like way. on top of me being a woman that there's an additional kind of thing. And my tattoo artist for my leg piece, we were talking about how she does a lot of floral pieces because right. she's a woman and she knew that people are going to come to her, True. especially women clients. <clears throat> well, one of and the want feminine pieces, but she actually likes tattooing snakes and skulls. Like that's her favorite thing to do. Right. But you see, then I would, uh, I like, I was like, why don't you tattoo just a bunch of snakes? And right. Skulls? Exactly. <laughs> like, uh, but that's, I think the right mentality is you do what you want to do. Don't let the tail wag the dog. No, but she, and she's really good at it too, though. And her father was a tattoo artist and stuff too. So she's just been around it her whole life. But right. It, it is true though. Like you also have to be smart with, like at, like at a corporate, I don't know what corporate's the right way, fiscally responsible too. Because if you still enjoy doing floral pieces, and which she does. Yeah, like, if she enjoys it, fine. Yeah. Well, one of the, at the tattoo shop I was apprenticing at, um, there, there was a, a, a girl there and she's mm-hmm. huge in the world of tattooing now. And she does very decorative mandala and floral pieces mainly. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, I mean, she's in demand. Like the Thomas Hooper kind of sacred geometry kind of stuff? No. 
Um, uh, it's it's just really trendy. I hate to say it. It's like very trendy right now. Like just very decorative mandala y, like very Eastern, very Indian looking. Okay. Um, decorative tattooing. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like what tribal. 80s tribal tattoo or 90s tribal tattoo is yeah. it's like that now but it's actually pretty whereas yeah. like that tribal tattoo when you look at now you're like what the hell is that <laughs> um, so bad I don't know where I was going with that but but does she like doing it She's happy as can be. Yeah, okay. She's happy as can be. She's but she's I, like 21 and is pulling in more money than a 21-year-old has probably ever seen. But that's where tattooing is going though, right? Like you go for like specific artists and their style. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I guess one of the things that I really had trouble in the world of tattooing with was how... I mean, part of me respected how protective they are of of their secret, as that's how they would yeah, treat it. Like, yeah. it was a big secret. Like, I would just have these conversations with tattooers. I'm like, in comics, anybody can come in and give it a whirl. It's so fucking hard. No one's going to, like... <laughs> protect it no no, that's like i I, i've always related it to a dumpster fire yeah (laughs) or like you oh yeah you want to jump in that Mm -hmm. (laughs) go for it go for it man (laughs) no one's gonna be like this is ours you can't come in here like come come in we're all dying (laughs) can you put the fire out yeah (laughs) while you're here so they have a very different mentality and that was what really i mean honestly i i should have been up in tattooing in a matter of months. I should have just gone in and started to learn, but the, they have, they're very just, they have their methods and ways of like what an apprenticeship is. And, and I was an odd case. I get it. I, well, you a, already have like the, an established the art illustri- skills. Yeah. Right, you you know? don't have to draw a koi 500 how many, times. <laughs> how, exactly. And how yeah. many artists did I meet that their dream was to be a comic book artist and they, they they either didn't pursue it or couldn't make it. And it's like, okay, but I've done that. So what? Well. No, well, I look at Sean Barber mainly because he's like one of my teachers mm-hmm. when I was in pre-college. And he it was like, he's an amazing painter. And that's what I love to do. Right. And I took that and applied it to digital painting for coloring. Exactly. But he took it and then applied it to tattooing. Right, and right. I was like, that's awesome. Right. And that's what I would have liked to... I have no regrets. I'm, I learned a lot about myself in, through this experience, but that's what I kind of thought it would be. Mm. Me coming in and and doing what I do and applying it to, instead of a brush and ink, a uh, machine and ink mm. and skin instead of paper. Yeah. And, and getting to know that. And that's what intrigued me about it at first. But that's not the direction it was going in at all. Um there's a tattoo artist, Natalie. Natalie Hall. Yeah. Er, er, she went to Ringling also. Right. So Natalie had the kind of apprenticeship I thought I'd have. Where like the guy was like, just come in on weekends and let's get you learning how to use this machine. And she went in like one or two days a week. And after like four or five months, she was up and running. She's tattooed a couple of my friends that, that we all went to school together. Yeah. So that's what I kind of thought I'd be in for. Yeah. Because Eric is very good friends with Natalie, Eric Canetti. Oh, okay. And um, 
so I like at New York Comic Con, like I hung out with her a lot and we talked and I was like, all right, maybe this is how it's going to be, but yeah. it just wasn't. Huh. Um, but that again depends. But is it because of the studio and the space? Like, not to like throw people under the bus, but like, do you think that if you were at a different studio, it would be different? Yeah, but yes. Um, well, I would, I would, I would. I guess it's hard to say. It depends on who it is. But do you have like a machine, and you're like, no, okay. Do you? <laughs> what? I like to feel like I'm interviewing. <laughs> no, but I'm just curious, like. Do you want to just completely give it up or do you still want to pursue it in uh, some capacity? I, w- I, w- I want to get back to comics. Maybe. Yeah. Like this wasn't something that I, I was pursuing out of a pure passion like comics was. It was mm. an opportunity that was presented to me. Oh, yeah. That I was like, huh, that could be fun. Let me try it out. But uh, so giving it up was no big deal. I mean, I thought for a while this would be really cool and fun, but like I said, I don't want to be a part-time comic artist and a part-time tattoo artist. And the only reason I even considered it was because I was offered it to me by a, like, uh, in the world of tattooing, mm-hmm. he's massive. Yeah. And he's world renowned. And, and I, I, I know him. We're friends and I respect him. And as a businessman, he's brilliant. And I was like, well, if he's offering... Yeah. I should I should take it up. Yeah. It's, but if the passion's not there because it's art. I think the passion was there at first. Yeah. Like I was excited, but that excitement was just squelched. Mm. Ultimately. But I, I think about that. I think about tattooing. I think about being like a linguist with Japanese, but then I talked. <laughs> I have a friend that does like manga translations and stuff, and uh-huh. he works. He has a full time job aside from it because it just doesn't pay very well. What? Why? Uh, this is a good talk to have. Why do you think about other careers? Is this your like? I can say without a doubt, God, drawing comics, comics is. If money was not an option, I wouldn't do anything but draw comics. And if money was not an option, I wouldn't stop doing comics. I love coloring comics. I paint for a living. And I think it's all of the other crap surrounding it. Right. Like the fighting for just to make sure I receive credit on things. Yeah, that that, that is... Like the Eisners don't even credit. Like... It's insane. Like if, if somebody's up for like best issue... It's the writer and the and the line artist. And it could be a single issue, right? And yeah. I could have worked on, that person could have worked on maybe one issue and I could have worked on 15 and I wouldn't be able to get into the Eisners because- That's ridiculous. Yeah, even though I, I could have worked and, on that issue. And I have said time and time again on here, there is the colorist now in, in this modern digital age uh, where the printing press and computers are des- we can edit at, uh, like we can do everything on a computer and and be- like what we can do the limitations of printing that defined what comic book coloring was is gone yeah we can do amazing things with print and color now and that changed comic books so the color artists became as important Important to the look of a book as the artist. Yeah, and and like I said before we started, I've been spoiled, but I've also been very picky. I mean, the first thing I, I think d- you should be. First thing I do when I get a job 
is I start requesting the colorist. Yeah, I think that that's I think that's, that's how I'm it should go. And I'm a pain go. in the ass. I was a pain in the ass for Matt Wilson. <laughs> I mean, Matt wanted to do it. It's not that he yeah. didn't want to do it. We wanted to work together. No, but it will, you know. But it, he's it, in demand. <laughs> right. He's got a he's got a tight schedule. I'm sure. Sure, but Matt was telling me yeah. I, I'm free. Yeah. I want to color you. I mean, we've been friends forever. We live near each other. And it's Marvel telling me he's not free. But I'm like, Matt is free. And it, it was just a lot of back and forth, but it's fine. I'll fight for it. And I got it. And I was happy as fuck with the results. But yeah. you're, the lack of credit is insane. Like, I feel like right now, it's a writer's world. They get all the credit. It, which is insane. Like, when I see something, it says, you know, so-and-so's book and it's just the writer. It's like <laughs> I know this so is and so book featuring or with this other person. Not even that. They'll be like or just it, not leaving it like, off completely. Yeah, like yeah. this is like Brian Mike and my, uh, Brian Bendis's Defenders. I saw that in a headline. Brian Bendis's Defenders. David Marquez is the artist. It's, it didn't say that. It's just like, and <laughs> I'm so, friends with both those people. It's a Portland thing. <laughs> right. No, I know. And I'm not saying anything against Brian. I'm yeah, just and no. I tweeted back to whatever news site it no, was but, and, and said, I think you're forgetting David Marquez and including yeah. David and, and David thanked me on the side, but I'm like, what gave you the impression that was mm. okay? No, but here's, here's my problem. It's, it, and then the colorist gets shafted more than the artist. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the letter gets it worse. Letter gets shit. It just shit. goes down the line. The letter it just gets goes, shit. It's trickle down economics. And it, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> this is a really bad political joke. No, no, but you're That's right. That's what I'm here you're for. Right. You're right. <laughs> uh, no, the thing that drives me nuts is people say, well, okay, speak up about it. Okay, I do. Why is it always my job? Why are the other people on my team not saying something? Right. And every I, time. And the artist really. I mean, I I go out of my way every time to make sure that my colorist But is, imagine if the writer did it every single time. Uh, yeah, they don't do anything. It's That is the most frustrating thing to me. And I don't want the people that I work with to feel like I'm throwing them under the bus. But it's also like I understand that when you're in a privileged position, you don't always it doesn't occur to you that that's what's happening right but i i think it's pretty apparent to everyone in this business that the colorists are not being recognized for their contribution yeah i mean that's not a secret nope it's 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 <laughs> it's all over twitter yep. but i will say and we have to pay we have to pay out of pockets for our flats so right. companies don't pay for that. Right. So I know. I like, know. not only do we have to think about like, oh, we get X amount per page rate, but also a percentage of that is going to come directly out of our pocket. Yeah. So, yeah. which is also stupid because flatter should be its own individual job that should be being hired out by companies well, it used too. to be color separators. Yeah. Yep. But now it's on the colorist to pay for it out of their own pocket, right. which I think is insanely ridiculous. Cause also when our line work comes in late, then they say, oh, well, you guys need to get this in by this deadline Yeah, you date. guys get the... Like and the, I have to go, oh, my God, I need an emergency flatter right now. Like, right. can anybody do this? And right. the flatter, like, I, it's it's rude to us and it's rude to the flatters. Yeah. Because they already have, like, the worst position in the industry. But one Im really impressive thing that you colorists have done is you've banded together like no one else in comics. <laughs> and that, it, it's, it's really nice to see... I mean, like you said, like you have a colorist dinner tomorrow night. I know that yeah. that's an annual thing here at Heroes. 
um, where the colors usually get together during something. But even heroes on, in Emerald City, yeah, yeah. But even on Twitter, there's a real camaraderie. Yeah, I think that you know I saw that with with Nathan Fairbairn and Matt Wilson and. Um, I cannot remember. There was a third or fourth person. And I remember overhearing that like four years ago at Emerald City when the DC thing came out, the DC survey thing. Yeah. Uh, and they, everybody's like, we need write in color as credit. Like, did you write in color as credit? Yeah, <laughs> I did. And everybody was banding together about that. And yeah. I remember overhearing like groups of people. And then I was like, I started go when I started going to conventions and like talking to people, I was like, why aren't, you guys fighting for stuff and people are like, Oh, well, we're just, you know, that's how it is. This is how the industry is. And I was like, mm. F that. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> like, exactly. Why is this? And Jordy started really speaking out about Jordy it. Jordy was very vocal. For very sure. vocal about it. And then I was like trying to figure out a way to like actively and, and healthy promote a conversation. And so I made the colorist Illuminati pens. Right. And two years ago at heroes, we had the largest colorist dinner I think on record which was like 21 people Mm -hmm. this year I think we're at for tomorrow night I think we're at 15 or 16 yeah it's great and that's crazy and this show because of I think because of Rico and Rico's like heavily supported everything going on Rico's a big part of that um he and he's really supportive of colorists attending the show yeah so it it's crazy. And there were way over 21 colorists that attended two years ago because I met like five people that I didn't, that I didn't know of that mm-hmm. were at the show afterwards. And I was like, Oh, well, I was like, we were all talking about it, like trying to get more people involved. You just didn't see it. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. We talked about it on social media. Sorry. You didn't see it. Um, but then also, you know, people have a lot of friends here and so they couldn't attend that specific night they had something else come like sure. going on so but like my highlight of the evening was sitting next to laura martin and her going like i never like thought something like this would happen and uh, yeah and i was like oh <laughs> like i put this together <laughs> like and and marissa did it last year and uh-huh. she put together the one uh, marissa louise who's another colorist she put together the one in emerald city this year too okay. so yeah it's been awesome and um to hear people like even Dave Stewart, when he, he didn't go to heroes, um, two years ago and he does cause he didn't go to this show. Right. And, uh, he heard from so many people about how awesome it was. And he, he said to me at Emerald city, he was like, well, we got to have these here. Cause like, I'm, I'm really upset. I didn't get to go. To that. <laughs> I was like, what? That's so, all, yeah, but that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, uh, I mean, you guys pull together. It's it's incredible. Well, because if, you know, like, I was going to quote RuPaul. I was going to say, <laughs> if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love anybody else? Right, like, right. It's that mentality. Like, you, I'm not, I don't know. Like, it's so personal. Like, art is so personal. And it's a piece of you. And yeah. I think it's bullshit to, like, not, to not even, like, it's, it's not ego. It's just like, Hey, like how hard is it to like print my name on a cover with everybody else? That's, that's not ego. No, no. But that's what I'm saying. It's like, how hard is it? Like, cause there's still companies that are not putting, uh, right. colorists and letterers on, on trades or even on single issues. And I'm like, that's insane. I was working on Arkham Manor with 
Dave when I think they d- they decided. Sorry that they were going to give Colorist cover credit. Yeah, that was huge. For, that was massive. But it's stupid because it existed at one point in time for a while over at DC. Yeah. So, and I don't know if Marvel changed, but I think Marvel started putting Colorist back on trade credits. I don't know. I don't know. I know I got my mother panic trade and right under my name was Jean-Francois and that was awesome. Yeah. I mean, like... I hope DC has letters. I think that's like the next, <laughs> the next battle. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I don't understand this one thing that irks. the hierarchy thing that's going on. Yeah, the like. There's no one in like the team. Like, it's but, very rare. I should say. How can we act like we're we're a team when when the yeah journalists don't treat us that way? Publishers don't well, treat us that way. In comics journalism, too, like. There's a lot of journalists that want to be comic book writers. Right. And, uh, you know, I think everybody in the industry knows that, like, you, nobody's going to want to work with you if that's how you view the other people. Like, it's obvious by certain critics' sure, writings but, that uh, they only care about the writers. And it's like, right. well, as a colorist, like, oh, I don't want to work with you then if you think so little of me. Right. But like, the publishers nurture this. like They do. And when, Diamond, when, Diamond when is a problem. the script is being written, problem. the artist doesn't see it. Yeah. And so then the artist receives the script and the artist will turn in thumbnails and there's the writer giving notes. And it's like, wait a minute. I didn't give you notes on your script. <laughs> I gave notes on a script last week. For the first time ever. (laughs) If we're a collaborative team, shouldn't that be how it is? No, there was some really offensive Japanese in a a script that I just saw. And being the only person on the team that has lived in Japan and understands Japanese, I went, hey, we might not want to use this. Right. Exactly why you should be involved. Yeah. (laughs) So, and they listened, which was awesome. Um, I'm glad because... I feel like the onus would have been on me if when that would have come out, the people would have been like, wait a minute. <laughs> One of <Yeah>. these people <laughs> should have, somebody, surely someone exactly. should have got this. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. Get it. It's just a, I don't know if it's a social media thing or a state of the time. No, but with, with Diamond, they only have like an artist credit. They don't even have a colorist position. So to put a colorist in, you have to put them under artist. So that's a problem too. Yeah. So like publishers have told me like that that's why they don't put in it for solicits. Yeah. Um, so I've f- always said <clears throat> in an ideal situation, like when I work with Chris Bruner specifically coloring, when we work together, I don't feel like there's a clear line between where what I do stops and what he does begins. And I've always mm. felt like it should just say artists, Sean and Chris. Yeah. Because what we do together is a unique thing. And what we do together isn't me and it isn't him. It's us. Mm. And it changes my work in a, in a positive way. And that's, I think, ideal. Yeah. When you're working with a colorist. Yeah, I see that. Um, I think that's why it's always bothered me when people write illustrated by, colored by, because I'm like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> like agree. that, I feel like illustrated is a heavy word yeah. to use for, for line art or Color. pencils and inks. Right. So I could I could say, yeah, but then 
the other thing that that has bothered me in the past too is when people have come up to me and they're like, but you can see this person's done this and this person's done this. And I was like, no, you can't. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? like people have tried to break apart pages for me where they've said like, well, you can see that the colorist did this thing and, and the line artist did this thing. And I go, but did they, who did what? And like, did the line artist provide textures or was that right. on the colorist and or like, was the there colorist, is like, you can't tell. No. And like the colorist can throw color over the line art yeah. to create atmosphere. And yeah. Or just like knock it back. Yeah. Um, for <clears throat> atmospheric perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Or special effects, whatever. Yeah, exactly. So it, it I feel like there is like, a lot of if there boundaries. is such a clear separation, I don't feel like you're you're producing something really cool. We talked about it. I talked about it today with a girl at the table for shade because I have those. Um, oh, I can't think of his name. He's that collage artist that put together those um, handouts that they did for San Diego Comic Con, and he did variant covers. Um, for young animal. For young animal, yeah. They put together these like little mini zines. For San Diego last year, I have. I can give you one. I brought. I brought a couple because yeah, Nick, I'd like to see it. Nick Filardi wanted one. Um, okay. And because uh, and they gave them out to some comic shops too, which is where I got a bunch of them. Is my local comic shop oh, okay. had them, and I was like, "Can I just take a stack of these?" Because <laughs> Mike Oming didn't get them either. Because they didn't send them out to anybody. I they never just... even heard of them. Oh really? Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and so like, but this is the shit that irks me. Like, <laughs> I'm on one of the books. Can yeah. you include me? Yeah, like, but why is that so hard? And I'm not, I'm not pinning it down on one person no, specifically. Yeah. But stop treating us like like we're just grunts that just are getting a job done. Like, but he, I'm not. I'm trying to create something awesome. Yeah. Every day I sit down and working my ass off to try to be. Better than I was the day before. Well, and Shade is like, I feel like a really personal book to me too, because it's, I, I have quite a bit of input into stuff going on on my end. And I talk to Marley all the time. Yeah. We have tons of dumb Twitter back and forth DMs. It's a lot of drag race gifts. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, it's funny. Uh, but uh, she, uh, and, her and Cecil set up a Pinterest board and stuff too. Or, but I'm I'm don't understand Pinterest very well. <laughs> yeah, I've tried. But I like I like it to like curate certain things on my own. But I'm not really sure how to like add to certain things. So right. I'm, I'm like not good with it. But uh, the uh, the collage artist he added in all the texture and that's like what and patterns and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just so happened to print off some like pages of line art that I was giving away um, at Rose City last year for like free coloring pages for kids. Mm -hmm. So I had like page two, which was one of the solicit pages of issue one of Shade. Then it was also printed in that um, zine. And then one of, somebody came up and they asked me to sign the book and we were talking about it. And I was like, oh, this is Marley. This is me and Marley. And this is like what it was kind of inspired by. Mm -hmm. And so you could see three examples of like three different people's interpretations of like finished, their finished pages. And like the people at the table, they're just like con attendees and they were like, 
this is incredible. You know what's <laughs> Why really, are we not seeing this stuff? Right. <laughs> and that's what I was just going to say. What's really cool is uh, sometimes like Matt Hollingsworth will post like an entire issue oh, with all, yeah. all the line art removed of yeah. just the color. So he's got the, Facebook folders of that. Right. Yeah. So you can see through like just how he's moving the story with color and palette. But there's something really attractive about a colored page when the line art's removed. That I I've think done side by sides, but I haven't done it removed. I would just it's so naked. I feel so exposed. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like if, if, if that was seen more, it, it might raise awareness mm. more. Yeah. But I do a lot of color holds too though. So, but, that, but wouldn't that, that would still show like if you just took out the K, if you're just the, the black, yeah, you would still see that color hold. You just would see it without the black. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could do it that way, yeah. Just removing the black, yeah. I don't know. Huh. I, I always enjoyed seeing it. Like, I, well, and I asked... D- Dave would, would send it around sometimes when we were doing Batman, and I just thought it was the oh, coolest looking so thing. so much, too. Yeah, yeah. There's... Shade is, is flat colors and, and gradients, and then just tons of bitmap things. Like, I, I, I go in and and bitmap things my, myself to like do all the different uh, halftone screening right. and stuff. And then I use the Kyle Webster brushes and mm-hmm. then there's a texture that's thrown over it on top of it. And right. it's just like layer on layer with also noise, like the noise right, filters right. and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's like looks deceivingly simple. So I wonder if I were to show something like that, if people would be like, well, she didn't do anything. <laughs> No, don't say that. I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it would be really interesting to see. But I've done, I asked people on Twitter, like, what do you prefer seeing? Do you want to see like a process GIF where it just like keeps kind of building as you go? Yeah. Or do you want to see a side by side of like line art and then colors? And to me, I think the side by side is more interesting, but people I like agree. seeing the process GIF. And I was like, Shit, well, that things takes that way move, longer to make yeah, and too. Things that move people like. Yeah. Things that are a little. It's shiny. Yeah. yeah it moves. <laughs> um, you contacted me about doing this. Yeah, I like your show. Okay. Yeah, I, <laughs> I listened to it. Yeah. Why? Why? Why did you want to come on? Well, because it's it's real. It's not. I hate listening to comic book podcasts of people being like, here's my new book. Yeah. What are, what are you, well, what are you working on? How, like, yeah, or I that's know, the I whole know. thing and Just it's over and over machine. again. Right. Yeah. And it's, this is a real thing of you actually talking to people. Yeah. But do you feel like. I think it breaks stigmas. Yes. Do, but do you feel like people are real to each other in this business? Yeah. Yeah, I do. It depends on the, the person though. Yeah, that's true. And I guess because I'm in Portland, I'm inundated by people and I have very personal relationships. I mean, I've with- always found that when I was at the at a bar or, or at a dinner and I it was just me and one person talking while other people were talking, we had great real conversations. Yeah. Ones that would not have occurred any, anywhere else. And, uh, and I found everyone fascinating when from the outside, everyone's uh, working on promoting themselves and, and the books they're doing. And there's, yeah. there's something so much deeper and more interesting about all of us that, that it was like, let's, let's capture that. Well, I think you have to have some sort of mm, 
I was going to say mania or like masochism to like work in comics too, because you, you have to, you have to be passionate about, I think to be an artist. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Cause you're like, Oh, work long hours for like little pay, but I love doing it. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. It's a hard thing to, to wrestle because like I'll talk to like a family member or, or someone who's like, you get to like draw all day. How cool yeah. is that? It's like, it's awesome. And it's also the hardest thing I've ever had to do. I, I can't, it's not arts and crafts. It's not play. Yeah. It's, I care about this more than almost anything. Yeah. So while it's not mindless work, I'm pouring all of myself into it to try to make it the best thing I can make it and always falling short of what I want it to be. That's the worst feeling. On a daily basis. That's the worst feeling is like you see something in your brain and then you can't like actually... But I just feel like that's what being an artist is. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's like a constant failure. Yeah. But but with, but with, with steps getting closer. Yeah. Okay, but you asked me... Going back to the thing about like wanting to pursue other things, yeah, I think that that might also be like my upbringing, like coming from the military background. Is it's just like art was not is not practical. Oh, I was told that my whole life. Yeah, and like no, and like my parents are hugely supportive. Mine too. Yeah, but it like but they can't understand. There is that weird kind of. Gap, and also it's because I I want to feel well rounded mm-hmm. too. <laughs> so I I feel like I like knowing other disciplines too. Right. I also have this weird dream that I'm gonna like get old, and I'm the youngest in my family, so I'm like, oh, well, when I get old, like. I can die anywhere. <laughs> so I might as well like go buy a house in Japan and finally actually like move there. Right. Cause the, the number one thing keeping me away is that I don't want to live that far away from my family again. It's too hard. I'm too close to my family. So are they in Portland? No, they're in Florida and Mississippi. So that's far. It's a lot closer than a, like oh. 14 hour flight. What were you doing in Japan? We didn't even, uh, I was teaching English. But I was also a student, and the, before that, I was a, well. I was a tourist, then a student, then a teacher, then what brought you over there? A tourist, just an interest in Japan. Always loved it, music, art, okay, fashion. The fashions, a lot of it's derived by by English, right? Fashion, right? But uh, I don't know the fusion, the kind of like fusion of the the culture with like Western society mixed with Japanese society has always been like okay. rock music and stuff. Right. Visual K. So what brought you back was wanting to be closer to the family to be in the States. Yeah. Well, and I wanted to get into comics. I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I was still painting at night. I would come home at like six o'clock at night. I would wake up at 6am to like get ready to go to work and everything. So you went to Ringling. Yeah. And you were a painting major. Illustration. Okay. Yeah. And a minor in photography. Okay. And then... So when you said, I want to get into comics, did you say, I want to get into coloring comics? No, I didn't know coloring was a career. So you wanted to draw comics. Yeah. I'm really bad at sequential drawing. So... I'm really good at illustration. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really bad at sequential drawing. What made you aware of the art of coloring comics? Jordy. 
Journey oh. and I graduated together. And she went up to New York afterwards. Uh, I think she might have told me this. And I stayed in Houston where my parents were living. And then I couldn't get a job. And so that's why I ended up moving to Japan. Uh-huh. Because um, the economy was really bad. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I just, I was like, what? Are, like, and that was after 3.11. The, the, I, I don't know the English words. The, the big earthquake and tsunami in Japan. The, it was six days after when I moved there. The one that the reactors got yeah. hit with? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was like, Tohoku Jikai. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. The, the Tohoku earthquake, I guess. Uh-huh. Like, it's like the... What, what did you call it? Three... Three eleven? What is that? March 11th. Oh, oh, okay. It happened March 11th. Okay. Yeah, I moved there March 17th. Okay. So I dealt with like 20 aftershocks daily. Oh my... Really bad aftershocks. So... Yeah. <laughs> How close were you to those nuclear power uh, plants? I was living in Yokohama, so okay. that's uh, southwest of Tokyo by but an hour. Far enough that the evacuation wasn't a scare. Uh, well, we had power savings. We had um, we they found uh, nuclear waste in the water reserves in certain areas um, oh where there was still water because of the uh, wind. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's problematic everywhere. And if the reactor is still not great, yeah, so, like, it could go critical any moment if there's another right. massive, massive quake. So it's a it's always a possibility. Um, oh, that's so scary. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty not great. That's what happens when you allow monopoly. <laughs> right, right. Cool. <laughs> but I don't know. That's like a whole other topic on like environmentalism and, and corporate irresponsibility. <laughs> we, can, we can go there. <laughs> Which you can relate to a lot in the current uh, American culture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of scary shit going on these days. Yeah. What got us there, though? How did we get to the earthquake in Japan? Because that's when I moved to Japan. Right. was right afterwards, so... Okay. And then I lived there for about two years. Okay. And I had, like, a freak-out well, going, Oh, right, you were like, telling me... Oh, wait, go ahead. You were going to tell me. Yeah, no, I had, like, a freak-out moment going, like, oh, I'm, like, waking up at 6, getting home at, like, 6, making dinner, and then painting until midnight. Uh-huh. Because I was still doing, like, painting, painting commissions. No, I was oh. still doing commissions for people back in America. And was like mailing those off. And then I was like, this, this is so stupid. Did you build up like a following through like social media and that's how you were getting commissions? No, it was through, it was locally through a vet clinic that I used to work at that my sister was, was working like, at. Like and I was doing like pet portraiture pet and stuff. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. It was like a whole thing. That's like a big yeah, thing in huge. Texas, especially. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know. People love their, people love their dogs and cats. Yeah, I know that's a, a big industry. Yeah. I was making pretty good money off of it. So, and I enjoy painting animals. Like I've been painting skulls for fun now. So dead animals. Yeah, I like that. that. What's your uh, choice medium with paint? When I was doing that, I was doing acrylics, but Mm -hmm. um, my thing is watercolor. Yeah, I like watercolor. So, because the mistakes are inevitable and that's what makes it beautiful. Yeah. So... Yeah. I don't, I don't want to sit there and try and do something technical, especially when I'm doing stuff for fun. Sure. Oh. There's a different level of technicality with it, but I 
Watercolor, you let it do what it does. Yeah. Acrylic, you tell it what to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's why, like, with pet portraiture, you have to do that or oil. And I hate oil paint, so. I've never even touched oil paint. Good. I mean. I just, I always was <laughs> in watercolors. That's always been what I played it's with. It's nasty. Oil paint's really bad for you. Oh, yeah. I know all that. So, yeah. yeah I mean, I think, I think it's ridiculous. There's, like, some weird mentality too in like the fine arts world that acrylic paintings aren't real paintings too yeah, yeah is, i know they call it painting with plastic like it's like ever yeah like I, it's any it's the same with people like views it. on digital yeah it's like exactly yeah okay whatever. it's newer i guess so yeah, we have to hate it snobs everywhere <laughs> yeah all right did we talk is, did, we talked about a lot <laughs> is there <laughs> anything you were hoping I, I was asking you like why you wanted to do this is there anything you were looking to talk about that we didn't get to like i wasn't sure if you had a like a um like an agenda <laughs> not an agenda but an issue or not an issue uh, uh if you had something you wanted to talk about or if you just wanted to come on and let it go yeah no just okay. the latter Okay. Yeah. So, did you? I I think I know the answer to this. Did you grow up on punk rock, metal, or <laughs> hip hop at all? Yeah. Um. Well, I I sort of touched on it with like the straight edge stuff. Right. Right. Um. So I always grew up with music. My mom, uh, majored in music therapy and is a singer, like church choir weddings funerals that kind of stuff classically trained and then i was i grew up in that whole thing too um and i quit it in high school to do art so you grew up in a religious household yeah fairly religious my dad was raised catholic but then wasn't really into it and then i rebelled around the time i was a teenager and was like, this is stupid. <laughs> Why bother? Right, What's the point? Right, right, right. Um, and my oldest sister is an atheist, and my other sister's like a born again Christian, basically. So it's Where a very. Where do you sit on that scale? Just okay. I'm closest to Buddhist. Okay. <laughs> but I also am like, it just doesn't matter. Like we make the best of our time here. So right, 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 right. We just, we don't know. So so why? you got into punk rock. Yeah, I got into I got into punk, and then shortly after hardcore, and the straight edge stuff, and mm-hmm. then goth okay. heavy. <laughs> so, right, right, right. Yeah, metal not really okay. ever. Um, I like guitar. I like the instrumentals, but the vocals and the heavy vocals I can't do. Well, yeah, but I don't listen to that. Like you're talking like the Cookie Monster stuff. <laughs> like I don't listen to that. No, but I mean. What do you, what do you, what kind of metal do you mean? Well, like, uh, like a band like COC or uh, Metallica. Everyone knows Metallica. Yeah, no, I can't do Metallica either. It's just not for me. No, no, no. I, I get that. I, but you were saying about the vocals. like No, but even that, I, I'm not, I don't uh, know. Okay. There's something, I don't know. It's like the growliness. I don't know. I, I get it. I get it. I say that, but then like there's certain things that. But when you say hardcore punk, what are you talking oh, about? Oh, I I well, when I was a teenager, it was like the the <laughs> the guy that I I liked that introduced me to this. He uh, uh he I was like listening to for hardcore. It was like Bloodline, Calligraphy, and uh, Bane. 
and then like the straight edge, like comeback kid, um, minor threat. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, minor threat kind of started that thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Imakai. Yeah. yeah, into it. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't listen. That's too thrashy for me now. I don't listen to any really of that anymore. I mean, well, obviously, like Sex Pistols and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. um, the Clash. I still listen to the Clash. Occasionally. Clash are really, really incredible. I mean, yeah. they, they transcend genre. But then because of that, like, obviously surrounding that was like Susie and the Banshees and stuff like that. So I really branched off more into that and then melodic and like dark wave. I was super into London after midnight. Okay. Um, The Cure. I still listen to... Bauhaus. Yeah. Oh yeah. Bauhaus, Joy Division. Yeah. Peter Murphy put out a solo album that was always one of my favorite albums of all time. I've probably listened to it, but... It's so good. I haven't listened to it in so long, but it was really one of my favorite albums. But I go back and forth between that. Now I like a lot of dancey kind of stuff, too. Like, Black Queen is the stuff that I'm super into right now, which is, is an offshoot of... Which I've never listened to them, but the Dillinger Escape Plan and Nine Inch Nails and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's like a group that they put out one album last year. I really mm-hmm. like that. I like pop punk kind of stuff, too, like Paramore... And Bayside's my favorite band. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, that is kind of what I ended up like gravitating towards. But I go back and forth between stuff all the time. Okay. Yeah. And my dad was, uh, listens to stuff like I grew up on Chicago and Elton John mm-hmm. and the Beatles and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So that's. It's in your soul. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I figured out my dad's <laughs> limit on the Beatles. It's four hours. Four hours and no more Beatles. <laughs> you don't want to listen to the Beatles for a long time after that. Because when I moved up from Houston to Portland, he was like, we're done with the Beatles. No more Beatles. <laughs> I was like, I can keep going. Did he drive with you? Yeah. A oh. U-Haul. Oh, my God. And we, like, killed our hearing because you have to, like, crank the music up right. because it's so loud right. inside the U-Haul. We couldn't hear each other. It was wow. amazing. <laughs> for, like, four days, my ears were, like, ringing afterwards. Oh, man. It was great. All right. Um... Uh, you want to plug your social media stuff? Um, yeah, speaking of emo, <laughs> my <laughs> Twitter handle is at Wasted Wings. Um, KellyFcolors.com. It like is links to my Tumblr, I guess. Uh huh. Um, yeah, I pretty much only use Twitter. Yeah, that's what I see. My Facebook and my Instagram are private and for my family, basically. Yeah. So, and for like stupid videos at 4 a.m. when I can't sleep. <laughs> Look at all the comics I haven't read. <laughs> I just literally did that before I came here. Did you really? Yeah, because I couldn't sleep. <laughs> like, I cleaned my entire apartment. <laughs> Everybody, like, this is my clean apartment. <laughs> That's anxiety. Yeah, oh, yeah. All right, well, thank you, Kelly. Thank you. Thanks thank for, you for having doing me this. Thank yeah. you for being so open. Um, we'll do it again sometime. Yeah. All right, thanks.
No. 